drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Tuesday, August the 9th, 2000. And 22, praise be to God. Here's a question. Help me out one more time. Why in the world are women's sports under full assault by the woke culture? Like, I don't, like really? Why do they really want to take down women's sports? We're going to have that conversation with Kelly, uh, Samantha Kelly from Fierce, which is femininity, identity, embodiment, receptivity, Catholicism, and encounter about why uh, these uh, these women sports programs and colleges and beyond are just being inundated with the far left and how they can counter that. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. At uh, 15 past this hour, I'm going to share with you that uh, a story that came out, I think it was at the end of last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and this was uh, Cardinal Holerick from Luxembourg. He is touring the United States. He's on a I don't know, multi-city tour. I think he's doing stadiums. I have no idea what he's doing, to be honest with you. But nonetheless, uh, there was some video captured of uh, a man asking him to clarify his position on being pro-LGBTQ. And he claimed that he holds the same position as Pope Francis. We're going to dive into that story coming up at 15 past the hour. Stick around for that. There are tons of stories in the news that are of great concern to me. And I'm sure they are to you as well. I mean, uh, guess what? Amazon, for $1.7 billion, just bought those robotic uh, vacuum cleaners. You know why that's important? Because those robotic vacuum cleaners, they map your house. And now they can send that information along with everything else they're recording from your little dev- puck device there. So that's fun. A legendary Australian actress and singer, Olivia Newton-John, passed away at 73 years old. Uh, I... I think I had a poster of her from her Get Physical album on my my wall back in the 80s. So uh, kind of uh, kind of an interesting time to see all of these icons that I used to grow up with uh, passing away. Uh, the FBI raided Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home looking for documents. Apparently they were hidden in some box somewhere. Uh, and then, of course, uh, here's what you get now that the Inflation Reduction Act has been passed by the Senate. You get $80 billion dollars. Uh, for the IRS to hire another 80,000 employees. Clearly, that's going to reduce the inflation. Oh, and by the way, we're also still sending even more billions of dollars to the Ukraine now. So, enjoy. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Nice ascot, by the way. Hey, thank you very much. I made it myself. Yeah, wow. No yeah. kidding. Crimson, if you're you listening on the radio. Sophisticated. Crimson. Wow. The color of martyrs. Are you going to like start smoking a pipe or something? Or uh, Not in here. Not oh I see not in here but elsewhere elsewhere okay yeah. I haven't okay. smoked a pipe in a long yeah. time actually <laughs> <laughs> I used to smoke a pipe yeah I, I stole my dad's pipe when I was a teenager ooh and, Joe uh, I did on. a cross country road trip seventeen years old from New York upstate New York down to Corpus Christi Texas and uh, smoked the pipe the whole way uh, I bet it was not enjoyable. Uh, I I didn't inhale to be honest. Like, well, like you're Bill, not supposed to. Like Bill Clinton, I just didn't inhale. Well, that's yeah. good. You did it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's a good day to be on Catholic Radio. 
Praise be to God. You know we're why? Because we're not on YouTube. <laughs> we, we got, got it. Because yeah. we're not in Nicaragua. Yeah. Because we're not in Nicaragua. I don't know what that means. But it is a good day. Oh, because they got raided. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. fun. Nope. It's a good day to be on Catholic Radio because we got a strike on YouTube yet again for old content. So, oh well. But praise be to God. That's why we have to be primarily a radio uh, run show. So praise be to God for <laughs> that opportunity God. to be on Catholic Radio across <laughs> GRN and Lord. Station of the Cross. Yeah, for radio, right? I mean, like, college is a year and a half ago, people. I mean, I don't understand why they continue to uh, to to uh, give us strikes, shut us down for content that's a year and a half old. I mean, maybe they could have taken it down and said, "Listen, we found this thing. We don't like it. We're just gonna we're just gonna delete it." But you know, hey, be warned. Like that would be like I guess understandable, but this this is just insane. The things that uh, YouTube's and Facebook and Twitter do. So praise be to God for Catholic Radio today. We get to uh, have great conversation, and we're going to have some good conversation. Britt Haynes will be our guest at the top of the next hour. We're going to be talking about that FBI raid in uh, Mar-a-Lago in his residence there in Florida, Donald Trump. Uh, what does this mean? Has the FBI crossed this boundary now? They gone too far? I mean, the timing is suspect for sure, but what was the raid about? We're going to have that conversation and a lot more with Attorney Brent Haynes. So if you can join us in the next hour, we would surely love to have you. But uh, let's get started. We have a lot to cover this hour. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today's Tuesday, August 9th, and here are your headlines this morning. Reuters reports Russia suspends start arms inspections over U.S. travel curbs. Russia told the United States on Monday it would not allow its weapons to be inspected under the START Nuclear Arms Control Treaty for the time being because of travel restrictions imposed by Washington and its allies. Inspection conditions proposed by Washington created unilateral advantages for the United States and effectively deprived the Russian Federation of the right to conduct inspections on American territory, the Moscow Foreign Ministry said in a statement. Russia remained fully committed to complying with all the provisions of the treaty, it added. Daily Wire reports FBI raids Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago. The raid happened after the federal grand jury subpoenaed former Trump White House counsel Pat Sip... Uh, let me see if I could pronounce this. Sip, Sipol, <laughs> Cipollone and Trump Deputy Counsel Patrick Philbin earlier this month as part of a criminal investigation into the events that led up to the January 6, 2021 riot at the U.S. Capitol. They were looking for alleged missing documents they believe Trump took from the White House at the end of his term. Trump was quoted as saying, These are dark times for our nation, as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided, and occupied by a large group of FBI agents, Trump said in a statement, continuing, After working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate, unquote. The Daily Caller reports CBS partially retracts documentary about Ukraine war, missing military aid. 
We removed a tweet promoting our recent doc, Arming Ukraine, which quoted the founder of the nonprofit Blue Yellow, Jonas Oman's assessment in late April that only around 30% of aid reached the front lines in Ukraine, CBS stated in a tweet. Accountability for U.S. military equipment proved questionable in July when the Italian Financial Corps found and seized a shipment of U.S.-made drones in a southern port city, according to Decode 39, a news outlet based in Italy. The drones arrived from Canada and were ultimately supposed to end up in Russia, the outlet noted. And the Washington Examiner reports woman who was 80 years old banned by pool banned by pool for accusing transgender female of watching girls undress. An elderly woman in Washington state was banned from her local YMCA pool after she accused a biological male of watching young girls change in the women's uh, shower room. She says, quote, there's no signage informing women that the shower room is now all gender and what that means, nor have parents been informed of what they can expect with these new policies, she continued. The Y has not provided any dressing shower room options for women who don't want to be exposed to men who identify as women. It's unconscionable that the YMCA would implement these policies without clearly informing pool patrons and parents. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Blessed John of Salreno. Born in 1190 in Salreno, Italy, John studied at the University of Bologna in that he entered the order, in the, in the order of the Dominican friars that would be, in that educational center he received the habit from St. Dominic himself in 1219. Evidently, John was then a man of mature years, for he was soon placed at the head of the 12 other confrères sent to establish the order in Florence. Although very small of stature, the future blessed possessed a mighty mind and a courage that nothing could awe. John of Celerano shone especially for his oratory virtue and his quest for souls. None of them appeared quite so heroic as he. Whilst his example, fatherly government, and kindly admonition ever urged his confreres on in their exertion, his fine judgment and tact won the confidence of the faithful. All this combined with his superb scholarship and rare devotion to bring him the affection of the Archbishop Jean de Velteri, together with that of the vast majority of the diocesan clergy. Florence had become one of the strongholds of the new Manichaeans in Italy, whence their evil influence spread throughout Tuscany. They hesitated at nothing for the propagation of their destructive principles. Day and night he opposed them, whether by deed or word, Never was he known to quell before their threats or attacks. His fearless action in preaching not only produced the most salutary effects, but even won for him the name of Hammer of Heretics. He must ever rank high amongst those brave friar preachers who helped to free the Italian peninsula from the dangers of Manichaeism and Albigensianism. Blessed John had a special gift for governing others. He seemed to read dispositions almost as he could read a book. In all things, he showed himself a father, a brother, a friend, and servant to those under his charge. He dominated their wills by kindness, quickened their zeal by his own, directed them along the path of perfection by his example and gentle words. The love which he bore them merited the affection which they gave him. Whatever he did, the man of God was doubtlessly guided by the lessons which he had received from St. Dominic. He had lived under the patriarch at Bologna and had met him in Florence, and of course had come in contact with him at the general chapter in 1221. 
No sooner did he receive the word of Dominic's serious illness that he started in all haste for Bologna. When he arrived just in time to receive the dying man's last blessing and the assurance that he would be more helpful to the infant institute in heaven than he could be on earth. This hope became an inspiration for Blessed John the rest of his life. He died in 1272 of natural causes. He was buried at the church of Santa Maria Novella in Florence, Italy. His relics transferred several times, the last being in February 18, 1571. Pius VI, who reigned from 1775 to 1799, officially ratified the immemorial cult to John permitted his order to say Mass in the Divine Office in his honor, and appointed August 9th for his feast day. Blessed John of Salreno, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, verse 10, and verses 12 through 14. The disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the child over, placed it in their midst, and said, Amen. I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angel in heaven always looks upon the face of my heavenly Father. What is your opinion? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the ninety-nine in the hills and go in search of the stray? And if he finds it, amen, I say to you, he rejoices more over it than over the ninety-nine that did not stray. In just the same way, it is not the will of your heavenly Father that one of these little ones be lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hadok said, The kingdom of heaven is not the reward of ambition, but the boon of simplicity and humility. Hadok goes on to talk about childlike humility. You shall have no place in my kingdom of glory in heaven where none shall find admittance but they that are truly humble. Our Lord in this and the next chapter teaches us first, to sit down in the lowest place. Second, to bear patiently with our neighbor. Third, not to scandalize a weak brother. Fourth, mildly to correct him when faulty. And fifthly, to forgive him when repentant. Close quote, Saint, or, or I wish he was a saint, knows Reverend Haydock from the 19th century. His commentary is amazing. You should check it out. But humility childlike humility. We have much to learn. We'll be right back. More is coming up next. Some Protestants like to charge the Catholic Church with changing the Ten Commandments because it omits the prohibition of making graven images found in Exodus 20. But is this true? No. And here's the reason why. Like Augustine, the Catholic Church sees the prohibition of making graven images as merely an extension of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. In light of the context, it seems that Augustine was right. For immediately after God prohibits the making of graven images, he says in verse 5, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. The prohibition is against idolatry, not the making of images in an absolute sense. 
So the Catholic Church didn't change the Ten Commandments. And it's not guilty of idolatry and having statues in its places of worship. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need mercy. I need a savior. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Samantha Kelly is going to be our guest coming up at uh, 35 past this hour. Uh, she has uh, uh, founded an organization called Fierce, which is to help female athletes better understand who they are as daughters of the Most High God, especially in relation to their love of sports. And we're going to have a conversation about why women's sports are under full assault by the the woke agenda that's coming up at 35 past the hour stick around for that also at the top of the next hour if you're able to join us we're going to be talking with attorney brent haynes about the fbi raid on donald trump's residency what does that mean uh, we're going to have a a greater conversation about that stick around if you can share us with a friend we would be very grateful to you but there are as i say lots of stories in the news that are great concern to me and i'm sure they are to you as well and this was a story that broke i think last week sometime um the uh, headline out of uh, life site news says exclusive pro lgbt cardinal claims pope francis is in quote full agreement close quote with his stance we're going to be talking about this right now so you might recall i don't know a month two months or more ago, we did talk about Cardinal Hollerick from Luxembourg and his stance on uh, hoping to change church teaching on human sexuality, on whether or not people who have uh, a same-sex attraction should be just sort of uh, given a pass. Uh, we should change what we've always said and thought about the gift of human sexuality, especially as it pertains to men and women in sacramental marriage. And he seems to want to make normal uh, this uh, LGBTQ lifestyle. So this is interesting because the Cardinal has been touring the United States. And somebody came up to him when he was in Chicago just this past weekend uh, week and uh, asked him directly about this. So this is a little bit of the article out of LifeSite News. It says, The openly pro-homosexual head of the European Bishops' Commission has again cast doubt on the perennial Catholic doctrine on homosexuality and appeared to suggest that he thinks the Catholic Church can change its teaching through the worldwide Synod on Synodality and claimed that he knows that he is in, quote, full agreement with Pope Francis, close quote, on this issue. That seems to be very troubling, if in fact that's true. Uh, the article goes on to say, In a 90-second exchange captured on video Sunday at Holy Child Jesus Parish in Chicago, Illinois, Jesuit Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, who plays an important role in Pope Francis's Synod on Synodality as the Realtor General, said that, quote, We have to give an interpretation to the Bible teaching. Close quote, when asked for his thoughts regarding a possible change in the Catholic doctrine on sexual ethics. I would play the audio of this video for you, but to be honest with you, 
it uh, the, the the audio portion of the video is really quite garbled and muddy and really hard to understand. You'd, you'd almost have to listen super intently and, and read it, the, uh, the captions on top of it. But let me just continue this article, which does cover what was said. It says, it, it is the constant, unchangeable teaching of the Catholic Church that homosexual acts are contrary, this is the article now, the contrary to the nature of rela- sexual relations, and that all men and women are called to chastity. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2357, states, quote, Basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts of grave depravity, tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine, effective, and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. Close quote, paragraph 2357 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Article goes on to say, Nevertheless, synod documents from dioceses worldwide have already reported calls, apparently from among parishioners, for changes to teaching regarding same-sex unions and priestly celibacy. Get what's going on here? Hmm, what do you guys want? Hey, I want this, and I want that, and I want this. Is the church based on popular vote? Hmm, let's think about that for a second. Article goes on to say, During Hollerick's visit to the United States, late Catholic activist Richard Smaglick asked whether the high-ranking cardinal thinks sodomy might no longer be considered a grave sin in Catholic doctrine following the worldwide synodal process. Quote, I do, this is the cardinal now answering, I quote, I do not know what the synod will bring, close quote. <laughs> I mean, this is a pretty straightforward answer. Um, no, I'm sorry, you don't, you can't change church teaching on that. Next question, anyone, anyone? I mean, like, it would have been pretty easy, end of story, we could all move on. But no, he has no idea what the popular vote will be on this subject. Who knows? I mean, he goes on to say, quote, we now listen to the people of the world what they express, close quote. Well, then I want I want chocolate uh, instead of say the Holy Eucharist. Can we con- can we consecrate chocolate instead of a wafer? Would that be possible? If I got a popular vote to to say, hey, we all want chocolate instead of the wafer. I mean, we'll throw a little weed in there. How, well, that should count. We'll just pl- just sprinkle a little weed on top of it, and then that should satisfy. Would that be okay? Would 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 that be fine if we just all took a popular vote on that? No, of course not. So it seems ridiculous on the surface. But nonetheless, he goes on, quote, I, started get, I start getting in reports, as you know, on the Realtor General of the Synod. And so reading all of that in September, we will make a first draft for the Continental Meetings, which will take place, close quote, explained the Cardinal, who also serves as Archbishop of Luxembourg. Uh, later adding that he would, quote, never consider sexuality separated from love, close quote. Now, that's interesting. Never consider sexuality separate from love. It would have been great. Uh, it, it was clear watching this video, by the way, that this gentleman, Mr. Smaglek, whom I have no idea who he is, uh, was trying to be as charitable as, uh, you know, as patient as possible in asking the cardinal this he wasn't trying to be confrontational he wasn't being disrespectful in any way shape or form he was just asking straightforward questions in a very calm and collected manner praise be to god uh hats off to him for that
But nonetheless, I would have liked to do a little follow-up there, but there, he probably had seconds before he was being uh, whisked away from asking the Cardinal these questions. Um, what do you mean by that, sexuality separate from love? I mean, what is love? Love is a person. It is not an abstract concept. Love is not how I feel. Love is not about how I feel. Because if love was pure emotion, then uh, almost 100% of marriages would end in divorce. Because the day comes when the honeymoon is over and you wake up and you realize, oh man, this is rough. This is hard. Golly gee whiz. Uh, If only I had known that you were a selfish, concupiscent person, then maybe I wouldn't have married you. Right? I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Marriage is hard. It requires sacrifice, determination to see it through to the end. That's why there are graces bestowed through the sacrament of marriage to the couple so that they will have what they need if they persist in a state of grace to see it through to the end. So there's nature uh, in the beginning. He created them man and woman. And his very first command was to go forth, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the face of the earth, to procreate based on the foundation of marriage, the sacrifice, the commitment, the, uh, the uh, determination for this woman and this man to stay together. You know, it's fascinating to see that we are going to now twist ever so slightly that love and sexuality are linked. Great. What kind of sexuality? Your evidence? Um, is there, do you have a definition that you might offer us? Is all sexuality in this category? Does any sexuality count? Or is there some that are absolutely superior to others? Is there some that are right and others that are wrong? Or do you think, in your opinion, all forms of sexuality are somehow okay uh, based on popular vote? What is love? Love is a person. Uh, we know that uh, God is love. First uh, John chapter four verse eight. God is love, and that person, that love, died on the cross to save you and me, in perfect sacrifice for our sins, to give us a chance anyway at entering into heaven through the fires of purgatory, because you and I both know we're probably not going to skip past purgatory and make it straight to heaven. No, unfortunately, we have too many attachments to our concupiscent natures and our lack of perseverance to live in a state of grace in order to make it straight to the pearly gates. We'll have to go through the cleansing fires of purgatory first, right? But praise be to God that we have access to the sacraments to help us, to give us the food that we need in this journey. Amen? Well, the Cardinal goes on to talk about the Bible, right? Um, So let me read this part to you, because I think this is interesting. The article goes on to say, uh, Attempting to draw clarity from Hollerick's comments, Smoglick noted that the sacred scriptures and tradition of the Catholic Church have taught for 2,000 years that sodomy is a sin an abomination that cries out to heaven. I would argue uh, it goes back 10,000 years. It goes back to the dawn of time. That perverse sexual uh, immoral behavior is always and every time bad and never a good. Ever. Find me one example in sacred scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, where perverse sexual behavior is somehow good. King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel, 
committed a grave immoral sexual act, and there were consequences as a result of that. The child, the fruit of his, uh, of his uh, in- intercourse with Bathsheba, died. Although he begged God to save the child's life, the price, the consequence was the child died. So be- perverse sexual behavior, no matter what kind, is always bad. Keep that in mind. But the cardinal answers the, him on this. Uh, he says, uh, quote, however, in response to Smagley's comment, the cardinal appeared to cast doubt the, on the clear and ancient scriptural teaching on homosexual acts as sinful, stating that the Bible also said we should uh, stone the women who is adulterous. The Bible, he goes on to say, said that the sun turns around the earth. Hollera continued. So the Bible is, we have to give an interpretation to the Bible. Well, that's fascinating because, uh, you know, Scripture scholars know that when you interpret sacred Scripture, you must do so in context. You have to, as the Catechism teaches us, you have to get to the heart of what the author intends us to understand. And then you have to take that in context from the entire chapter of that book, the entire book uh, that, is, that is found in, the entire New Testament that in which we find it, or even the Old Testament, and the Bible as a whole, and then in light of the revelation and teaching of Holy Mother Church through the magisterium down through the ages. You can't just take something and stick it out by itself and go, well, this is what it means. We call that Protestantism. And it's not the way to read sacred scripture. And there are tons of verses that you can go to to make this clear. But of course, everybody goes to Romans chapter 1. I mean, that makes it clear. They gave up their natural order for an unnatural, disordered, perverse order. Women and women and men and men. Paul is extremely clear. But Galatians 5, Ephesians 5, 1 Corinthians 6, St. Paul hammers this issue. Sexual, licentious behavior does not inherit the kingdom of God. If you are struggling with sexual sin, as I have in my past, pray. Go to confession. Receive the sacraments. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray a chaplet. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed the chaplet of Divine Mercy daily? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the church criticized for defending celibacy? What about for defending marriage? Have you ever heard it accused of showing contempt for women, but also sneered at because only women go there? Have you ever heard it attacked for asceticism, but also for extravagance? How about for being dull? How about for being too garish? How about for being too worldly or too unworldly or insisting that people confess their sins or showing too much mercy to sinners? Notice any contradiction among the critics? G.K. Chesterton says, here's a broad and simple test. If you hear a thing being accused of being too tall and too short, too red and too green, too bad in one way, and too bad also in the opposite way, then you may be sure that it is very good. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. 
The Hill reports, Python Hunt, 800 compete to remove Florida's invasive snakes. More than 800 competitors will be trudging through the Florida Everglades for the next eight days in search of invasive Burmese pythons that will bring, bring in thousands of dollars in prize money. The python hunt officially began Friday morning and runs through August 15th, according to officials who gathered in Miami to kick off the annual event. Every python removed is one less invasive species, preying on our native birds, mammals, and reptiles, said Florida First Lady Casey DeSantis. Reuters reports Nebraska Republicans lack votes to pass 12-week abortion ban. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts will not convene the state's legislature for a special session to consider stricter abortion laws because Republican lawmakers did not have the votes to pass a ban on abortion after 12 weeks of pregnancy, he said on Monday. Nebraska currently allows abortions up to 20 weeks post-fertilization. Ricketts had expressed interest in calling a special session to further restrict abortion access, saying he would support a near-total ban with no exceptions for rape or incest. But in his statement on Monday, the governor said only 30 senators would pass uh, or support a ban on abortions past 12 weeks. The legislation requires 33 votes to pass. And LifeSite News reports 12-year-old Archie Battersby was baptized before he died after hospital removed him from life support. 12-year-old Archie Battersby, who died Saturday after doctors removed him from life support, was baptized on Easter Sunday after he was taken into the hospital. His family engaged in a series of legal battles to keep their son on life support, but like many other families fighting to keep their children alive, they ultimately lost. Based on a decision that he was likely dead, Archie was removed from life support and died shortly thereafter. However, Archie's story has a unique silver lining. The boy was baptized and received into the Catholic Church just days after he went into a coma. According to his mother, Archie had long desired to be baptized as he had been especially inspired by Christian boxers on television. While Archie lost his temporal, temporal life on earth, his baptism grants him access to the life of grace and the life of the church. In addition to opening the way to his own salvation, Archie's suffering led to his family's perception of baptism and acceptance into the Catholic Church. It allows their souls to be flooded with grace so that they have the strength to overcome the challenges of earthly life, remaining in the friendship of God so that they may one day hope to obtain heaven. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us now via Zoom chat is Samantha Kelly. She is the founder of Fierce Women's Sports, uh, femininity, identity, embodiment, receptivity, Catholicism, and encounter. Good morning to you, Miss Samantha Kelly. Uh, Samantha, are you there? Uh, you might have to unmute your microphone well, there. Let me set this up while we're trying to get her audio worked out. Uh, there was recently a story. We covered this actually with Brent Haynes. I don't remember if it was last week or week before. It says uh, it was an openly Christian women's soccer player, and uh, her name was Jalene Daniels. And she refused to wear an LGBTQ a pride jersey. Now, she wasn't trying to make waves. She wasn't trying to create animosity amongst her fellow teammates. She was just like, this is contrary to my faith, and I don't want to wear this. Well, she was sidelined, and um, they did re-sign her, praise be to God, but they had to apologize for re-signing her after. <laughs> yeah, apparently, she's a pretty good athlete, so they wanted her on the team, but yet they, they wanted their cake and eat it, too, by still punishing her for her openly Christian behavior, which is just one more story in a sea of stories recently of women's sports being fully inundated with this 
uh, woke ideology. And so we're hoping to have a conversation with Samantha Kelly. Can you hear me now, Samantha? I can. Can you hear me? Ah, praise be to God. There you are. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Let me ask you a start question here. Why do you think women's sports are under full assault? What, 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 what is... What has women's sports done to deserve this kind of treatment? <laughs> you know, Joe, I asked myself that same question. But I think, I mean, overall in the culture, we have an assault on women. We have an assault on those who can give life, right? Um, and so, in a yeah, in a very particular way, I think, um, yeah, because sport has been historically male and women have kind of come forward um, in, in good ways and in not so good ways, we look at the feminist movement. Um, I think there's just a lot of confusion today about what it means to be a woman. And that, coupled mm -hmm. with sport being predominantly male in the past, leads to just overall confusion, I think. You know, I was reading your press release, and you had this line that says, Recent statistics indicate that nearly 30% of today's female collegiate athletes identify as gay, and 62% struggle with disordered eating. Um, you know, I've been very critical of colleges and college systems. They're fantastic places to become atheists or worse. Uh, so what is, what, why would there be such a culture that would take so many young women and produce these kinds of statistics? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the pressure that they face. You know, they are, they are under so much pressure to perform, to win, to be liked. Um, and it's kind of like this play hard, party hard mentality. So, you know, they're under all this pressure. And then the, the way that they release that is in unhealthy relationships um, in trying to manipulate and control their eating um, because of the, the standards that either their coaches have created, their parents have created, their schools have created. Um, and then it's just this this really toxic culture um, that, that leads to a lot of these same-sex attraction issues. So how do young women who love sports, want to play sports, how do they survive in these environments? Yeah, I mean, hopefully they have somebody. That's, you know, that's why Fierce Athlete exists. Uh, just to tell them that you're more than your performance. You're more than an athlete. You know, you're, you're so much more than that. First and foremost, before anything you do or anything you say or anybody else's opinion of you, you're a daughter of God, period. And God just loves you for you. And that I've found with the women I've worked with just creates this freedom to embrace who they are and not, they don't feel like they have to prove themselves or manipulate themselves in a certain way, but they have the freedom to know who they are and then return to their sport and, and play in that freedom. Kind of reminds me, I see some parallels here to the, uh, uh, the corruption and decay of society through pornography addiction in the sense that uh, I've shared this story a number of times on this program before, but I read an article many years ago uh, from a feminist who in the 60s and 70s was big into protesting and uh, big into the sexual revolution, burned her bra, the whole darn thing. And then many years, many decades later, as, a, as an elder woman, she decided to travel America and interview young people on college campuses to see what was the effect of her and her colleagues in their sexual revolution and what she discovered scared her uh, she discovered that um, I would say she wouldn't say it but uh, the devil got a two-for-one special on the deal young men were addicted to porn thus fantasy and didn't want real relationships with girls because uh, they preferred their fantasy over reality and then the young women desperate for attention were putting themselves in harmful disordinate 
uh, situations in order to try to attract and have some attention from these young males. And the result was a total chaos within their private social lives. Uh, I see that there's an overlap here. It seems like what you said was there was a lot of pressure on these women to perform, to be a certain way, to fit in, to go along. And, uh, and it seems like the devil's still getting his two-for-one special. Yeah, because I think you see both sides of the spectrum. You know, I have a friend who who's a Division One coach, and, you know, I was telling her about Fierce, and she said to me, my girls today, they either feel like they have to hook up with, with men or they have to be in a relationship with a woman. She goes, they, they literally don't know that there's a third way. <laughs> and and it, it struck me, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, that is what the culture is saying. And you see women almost compensate. Well, you know, in, in certain sports, women are considered more masculine, and so you see them compensating, trying to dress in a certain way to prove that they're feminine or trying to hook up with men. And then the other side, you see a lot of women who have been wounded by men, and so they are turning towards other women for that affection. I mean, there's a lot of reasons behind all of that, but but yeah, you see this kind of dichotomy that's been created, and they don't know that there's just this, this path of freedom and chastity in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Guys, especially when WNBA started, they were like, wait, why? What, what are we, why are we doing this? Like, it doesn't seem natural. Like, it's not a problem for women to play basketball, but it just seems, it seemed like they were trying too hard to be like the guys. Would you see it that way? Yeah, I mean, I think the WNBA creates a great opportunity for women. Professional sports, great opportunity for women. But you're right in that women, and this is this, you know, since Title IX, this has kind of been the struggle with women coming on, being able to play sports is, well, they wanted to beat the men. They wanted to be like the men and then be better than the men. We saw this with Billie Jean King. And so, you know, that's evolved to women kind of rejecting their femininity and being more masculine. I think you do see it, unfortunately, most in the WNBA. Not everybody, though. Um, you know, and that's why we exist. We're, we're trying to really reclaim that, that femininity, that you can be intense, but you can't divorce that from your natural, tender, motherly side that you have. How hard is it to strike that balance? Oh, it's, it's, it's tough. It really is tough, yeah. You know, we, I love how you have Our Lady Guadalupe in your background. I have her in mine. And uh, we use her as our model. I mean, she crushes the head of Satan. She's <laughs> totally intense and awesome. And yet she's the most tender woman that ever lived. And so finding that, that balance and using her as our model and, and asking her for just her blessing, um, you know, I, I think is, is what we're trying to do. Yeah, understanding the true identity of what it means to be a woman, I think has been a message lost primarily on our generation today. So one we want to reclaim and rekindle. We're having this conversation with Miss Samantha Kelly. She's the founder of Fierce Femininity, Identity, Embodiment, Receptivity, Catholicism, and Encounter. And right after this very quick break, we're going to come right back and continue this conversation about exactly how do we do this? How do we reclaim this and bring this to the next generation? All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know. You know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch. Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the U.S. Consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while placing an emphasis on how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law, unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information, AveMariaLaw.edu. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Samantha Kelly is our guest. Uh, she has founded an organization called Fierce, uh, which uh, helps young ladies uh, understand who they are in God's vision, especially if they love uh, athlete, uh, athletics. Praise be to Jesus. But it does seem that women's athletics are under full assault. Did you... I mean, as a kid, I couldn't have imagined this day, to be honest with you, Samantha Kelly. I mean, like, no one ever questioned, like, someday there's going to be guys to pretend to be girls and dominate those sports and not even, like, be ashamed of themselves in the result. Like, it's just bizarre. Like, there was a story, what, a week ago about some 30-year-old skater pretending to be a woman dominating teenage skateboarding. It's like... Have you no shame at all? I'm not even a glimmer. I mean, it's just bizarre. I don't know how old you are, but uh, I think you grew up more into this woke culture than I have. How do you see it? Oh, it uh, it enrages me. <laughs> you know, I really have to check myself and pray for these individuals, but it's just not fair, you know. And that's that's the theme. I mean, it's it's one of the most prevalent conversations I have with other female athletes. I was talking to a 15 year old the other day. And she kind of brought brought it up, and she just said, it makes me feel like I don't matter. And, like, that's the opposite of what sport is supposed to do. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it, it breaks my heart. I mean, I, I've seen it coming for a few years, unfortunately. Obviously not when I was playing sports. Um, and, you know, and I will say there are some bright spots, some international federations. For example, the International Federation of Swimming has, has banned transgender swimmers. But, the, the, you know, the trickle-down effect to the NCAA, you know, that's, that's going to take some time, though it shouldn't. So there are some bright spots, but, but yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. You know, that's really interesting because I was just thinking while you were saying that, that the problem here is that this is like, it's so clearly wrong. It's so clearly wrong that a man is not a woman, a woman is not a man. And the fact that that's even a controversial statement is absolutely bizarro world. So 
my question is, and my concern is, why are the parents and the girls, especially at the college level, but I mean, even at the high school level, the I mean, people always talk about, you know, encouraging women to stand up, encouraging women to be strong leaders and so on and so forth. Why are we not seeing women standing up against this? And, and even more so, why are we not seeing parents stand up being, and taking their kids out and saying, I'm not letting my daughter compete if they're going to be allowing men into these sports. Why are we not seeing any, almost any kind of reaction? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a fear, right? I mean, that's the, that's the whole problem in today's society. It's just this cancel culture, right? There's a fear that they're going to be persecuted. Um, I think more people than express it are not okay with it. Um, you, you do have like at, at, at UPenn, for example, with the swimmer, you did have a lot of the girls and parents actually file a lawsuit. Um, but that's not going to be covered. And, um, and, you know, I think there is a fear of persecution. Now on the other end, uh, there is a, a lack of understanding of obviously that men are men and women are women. And, and there's this, you know, well, you do you, and I need to love you for that kind of mentality out there. But, you know, my hope is that people are starting to wake up because the, the majority of people I talk to are, are definitely not okay with this. Um, and there is, there's a lot of lawyers out there doing some good work to, with the Save Women's Sports Act, for example, to, to really fight this. You know, but the thing that about, about this from my perspective is that this could all be solved if the parents just said, you know what, we're just not going to let my, our daughters compete in the sports if they're going to allow this. And overnight, everything would change because then the sport would be dead if they, they all the sports would just stop because I can't imagine you said that most of the parents you know are not supportive I'm I would be surprised if there was even one percent of the of the people who are actually supportive I can understand the majority being scared and don't want to say anything because they don't want to be called bigots or be like you said canceled uh, it's amazing because they say they're the oppressed group yet they're the ones oppressing everyone else and what do you think would a, what would you say to to a parent who has a daughter in a program where this is happening yeah i mean i would say have the courage to to, to pull your kid out now the, the sad part is is the majority of people aren't going to do that um i would find a new team a new league uh you know i think that that's a, something that these particular parents have to do i mean i i think it speaks to the the greater almost idolatry of the sports culture. I love sports. I'm an athlete. However, for many people, sport is life. Like Sundays are meant for football. You know, my kid, and it's oftentimes parent driven. My kid is going to be a division one scholarship. athlete. Oh yeah. And that is disordered, right? Because I, and I tell parents this all the time, like it, make sure it's just not about you. Make <laughs> sure it's about your kid and what they actually want to do. And there's a balance there. Like my dad pushed me in the right way, but, but at the end of the day, it was always my decision. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know that they'll be backing out, but I would, I would advise parents to, to just find a new team, a new coach, um, a new league, even there's a lot out there that, that you can find. But, you know, Samantha, something you just said a, a minute ago, you know, um, you, you kind of mentioned something like, um, we have to love these people and it's true. We have to love them. We have to have charity for these people. Um, but I think this is a common thread in in these these sorts of conversations is the language gets hijacked and so um now we're at a point where uh, women are effectively being 
eliminated from from the language, right? I mean, you look at the way that people say, instead of saying women, they say, you know, well, a woman actually includes people who identify as birthing persons and all of these sorts of things. Uh, what do you what do you think about this language that's being used? Is that maybe a, a starting point for people to uh, to uh, to fight back against this and just take back some of the terms here, define terms? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the other side does a great job of manipulating language, mm-hmm. right? And love, um, love is one of the primary ones. Like we're called to love everybody. Well. Um, that's for me, that definition of love is tolerance, right? And, and people don't need to be tolerated. They actually need to be loved and love is willing the good of the other. It's, it's love and truth together. Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, we can in a, in a proper way, try to reclaim some of those words. Um, you know, I'm sticking by female women's athletics for the true definition of, of what that means. And, you know, um, I won't be changing my language anytime soon, for sure. Hmm. Can we talk about uh, dress code a little bit here, bring this into the conversation? You know, it's always boggled my mind why some female sports have such uh, such revealing, uh, you know, outfits, jerseys, uh, shorts, this kind of thing, like uh, college you is. I wouldn't take my kids to a Hooters or a Twin Peaks. I wouldn't go there myself, for crying out loud. Uh, but yet we can go to an athletics game where these women are asked and required to wear the most revealing attire ever. That's got to be somewhat humiliating, I would argue, for, for women. How would you see it? Yeah, I mean, m- my take on it is if, it's, if that equipment, right, is helping them perform their sport, then okay. If, but if the purpose is to reveal, you know, to maybe over-sexualize women's sports in order to get more fans, that's definitely something that exists, then it's not okay. For example, women's sand volleyball, they're wearing bikinis. And there were, there were girls, I think it was in the last Olympics maybe, that were fined because they refused to wear bikini bottoms. I think they had shorts on because they said that it was more comfortable for them, they were able to perform better, and they were actually fined for it. You know, I think that's where it, where it gets a little bit ridiculous. Um, and again, who, who, are the, who are the people making those decisions? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. My, my assumption would be men um, or women that are okay with kind of being provocative. But you're right. It, it, you know, I think it can distract. And things are getting shorter and tighter than when I played. Um, you know, it, it can distract from, and over-sexualize these women. So, okay, let's talk about Fierce Athlete. FierceAthlete.org is your website. Uh, exactly what do you do how do, and how do you do it? Yeah, so our mission is to promote true identity and femininity, kind of everything we've been talking about in female athletics based on the teachings of the church and theology of the body. So our, our widest resources, we have a podcast, uh, and then I travel the country speaking, leading um, different retreats for athletes and teams and schools, and then also strength and conditioning clinics. So we're actually working out together, and then we're, we're kind of having Theology of the Body-themed talks. Uh, and then I also mentor individuals uh, and coach them one-on-one, everywhere from high school all the way up through, through pro athletes. Um, those are the kind of things we're doing now. What do you see as the number one challenge to those people that you're mentoring? Oh, I, I, I think it comes back to just identity. They don't know who they are. They don't know who they are as daughters of God. And the result of that is all the issues, depression, eating disorders, same-sex attraction, promiscuity that we see. Uh, But we have to first and and foremost start with you're just loved as you are. 
You know, a, a minute ago we were touching on this uh, parents and the athletics culture that they can be kind of an extreme. I, I've seen this, uh, parents that uh, take their kids, their seven-day-a-week training, games, touring. I mean, they go to camps, clinics. They hire professional uh, coaches to give them the top. I mean, they, And this is when they're not even in high school. and then, <laughs> So it can get very intense. Um, but you got a scenario in which we've sort of clearly communicated in this segment that it's a very toxic culture. How do you help these kids and their parents understand that when it comes down to making a choice, heaven is the only real choice, even if it means giving up what they love most? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to bring them back to the, the truth of the faith and the primacy of God. I think there's a lot of ways that you can honor God in your sport. And so take the focus off of me, me, me. I need to achieve this level versus this is a gift that I have and I can offer it back to the Lord. Um, and I think that in, in the hearts of these women provides a balance in, in terms of parents. You know, it's challenging them. It's challenging them to, to really think about why they're pushing their kid this far um, and, and encouraging them to, to make sure that, that faith is primary, right? You're, you're traveling on the weekends. We always found a mass on Sundays. You know, that's the beauty of our faith. And so making sure that, yeah, faith is primary. Well, we are getting down to the wire here. FierceAthlete.org is the website. Samantha Kelly, uh, we're grateful for your time today setting this up and talking about this very difficult uh, subject. Uh, golly gee whiz, I wish uh, and pray um, uh, that uh, more athletes will stand up like uh, Miss Daniels did in the soccer team. Would you encourage uh, athletes to, say, put their foot down, even if it meant their career? Yeah, and it's hard because, you know, every major college has a, has a pride day, you know, and, and you see a lot, of, a lot of kids feel pressured, like, well, am I going to not start? Am I going to? But I think Jaylene's a perfect example that mm. you have to say, stand up in the face of truth. All right. Praise be to God. Samantha Kelly, FierceAthlete.org is the website, FierceAthlete.org. God bless you, uh, Miss Kelly. Have a great day. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, praise be to God. That's going to do for hour number one. If you can and you're able to join us in the second hour, we'd love to have you, of course. Uh, Brent Haynes, attorney, Catholic uh, speaker, and uh, activist, is going to be on to talk about Donald Trump getting raided. What's that about? All that coming up next and more. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. See that. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early church fathers ever wrote any like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Father John Bartunik, in his book, The Better Part, wrote, Gratitude is one of the most beautiful flowers in the whole garden of virtues. It directly contradicts self-centeredness, 
self-indulgence, and self-absorption. It builds bridges, unites communities, and softens hearts. It encourages and inspires. It cuts through discouragement and counteracts depression. It opens the soul to the truth and releases anxiety. It brings smiles and gladness wherever it blooms. What a pity that it is as rare as it is lovely. When was the last time you were truly grateful to our Lord for the spouse He has given to you? When was the last time that you told your spouse you are very grateful for him or her? Gratitude goes a long way in healing wounds. Give it a try. Go home today and tell your spouse how grateful to God you are that he or she married you. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, my name is Catherine and Valerie and Sarah, and we attend St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Community. And you're listening to KSHJ Houston, 1430 AM. Radio for your soul. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Uh, we just wrapped up a great conversation with Samantha Kelly from Fierce fierce uh, athletes, fierce athletics about uh, women's sports and the attack from the woke uh, ideology and agenda. Great conversation. If you missed it, well, let me encourage you to check out our podcast on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. grnonline.com forward slash cdt. If you you missed that, you should check out that podcast. Really good stuff. Coming up here in just a, a few minutes, we're going to talk to Attorney Brent Haynes, Catholic speaker, pro-life activist, and uh, we're going to talk about a couple of stories, but one is the the FBI raiding Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. It's kind of a first in the history. It's not just kind of. It is the first in U.S. history that a president had his house raided, as far as I know, and he can correct me on that, but I, I, they didn't even raid uh, uh, Richard Nixon, although he was <laughs> in the White House at the time, but nonetheless, they didn't raid him. Uh, so, very interesting. What's the timing like? What is this about? What does this mean? Do they really cross the line here? I don't know. We're going to find out. Uh, Brent Haynes will be on in just a few minutes. But I have a question for you, Rudy Carlos. Okay, what is it? Uh, what salary would you need to buy a home in, uh, in uh, say, the top cities in America? <laughs> Can you make a guess? Joke's please? on you, Joe. Yeah, I saw on. this article. You did? Over 100K. Oh, you gave it you away. you got to be over 100K. What do you think you have to make in California? I can tell you in California, uh-huh. it's upwards of 120000 No. Yeah. That's crazy. And you probably have to have two of those. Uh, no. It, like the medium it house. Mom would have to be making one hundred twenty. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, like the, the medium house is like what? A million dollars? A million dollars. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Yo, that's like five thousand dollars a month, right? Adrian, mortgage? I, Adrian, I'm gonna I'm gonna make your jaw drop even lower. <laughs> what? what do you think a million dollars buys you in California? Uh, what does a million dollars buy you in California? I don't know. Eight thousand square feet, twenty <laughs> acres, eight hundred square feet, baby. Eight hundred square feet. Yes, single. It's like a it's like a single story what? house. 
You know, for a million dollars, uh, maybe two wow. bedrooms, one bathroom. For a million dollars and yeah. eight hundred square on feet, Earth? eight eight to nine hundred square feet. I was uh, like, I was yeah. jaw dropping at there was a there's a plot of land I saw and it was like three acres and they're charging one eighty five for it and I was like one eighty five what I'll give you guys fifty bucks how about that <laughs> you know when I was Take in the, or leave it. when I was in the Marine Corps living in Hawaii uh, of course I lived in the barracks so didn't have to pay mortgage or rent or any of that praise be to God but I you know I had lots of friends that were not in the military living in town and I would you know hang out with them sleep at their place most of the time but nonetheless uh, you know rent in Hawaii in the nineties a thousand dollars got you you know, something like 800 square feet, $1,000 a month, but it was like, you know, the, like uh, concrete blocks? <laughs> like, that was what it was made out of. Like, concrete <laughs> blocks. You Cinder had, blocks? You did have a window, praise be to God. It just looked, you know, the, for three feet away to the next wall of concrete blocks, you didn't get to see the ocean or anything. And that was wow. $1,000 a month in the, in the 90s. I, have, I wouldn't even know what it would cost today to yeah. rent a place like that. It's really a, it's really an odd scenario that we find ourselves in. And I'm you know I'm I'm looking to be a first time homeowner hopefully soon, but it just seems so impossible to get mm. into the market mm. the way that it is. It's so expensive. Yeah, let me and read it's this. Not worth it. Let me read this uh, quick paragraph here. It says a person wanting to buy a home in San Diego, Seattle, or Boston will need to make over one hundred thousand dollars annually, while a home in New Orleans, Birmingham, Alabama. I know you guys are listening right now. Birmingham, Alabama, or Memphis, Tennessee, can be purchased with a salary of less than sixty thousand dollars, according to data. So you're just living in the wrong place, Rudy. Joe, do you mind if I work remote? Uh, sure, from Alabama. It's a great place. Birmingham is a nice know, place, man. man. He, there's he can, places he can here in Texas. In the studio in Alabama, right? Mm, yes. There's some places here in Texas uh, that are a little more remote. You should try Birmingham. It's a nice place. I love Birmingham. The rolling hills, the trees. I'd like to, to go to Alabama. The parks, the creeks, I mean, the lakes. It's it's a great place. Alabama is a beautiful state. Chattahoochee? Uh, a, a, smaller salary, a smaller salary is needed to buy a home in Washington, D.C., where a salary of $110,000 is needed. Uh, compared to Boston, Massachusetts, where the required salary is $130,000. Uh, the three cities that warrant the smallest salaries as explored in this report are Cleveland, Ohio at 45000 Oklahoma City at 45000 and P- Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, forty-two. Oklahoma City, I've lived there. It's also a great town. Praise I'll be, be honest, to God. I'm not a huge Pittsburgh? fan of salary. Celery 2 is quite nice. By the way, that comes out of the Washington Examiner. Uh, Coming on the phone right now is our friend uh, and uh, friend of the show, Brent Haynes, attorney, Catholic speaker, pro-life activist, and more. Good morning to you, Mr. Brent Haynes. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. Uh, You know, uh, you could live in Oklahoma City for under $50,000 a year. Did you know that? Yeah, I try to keep up with those things myself. And I was in D.C. recently, and let me tell you, you're you're going to have a hard time making it one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> they didn't specify what part of town you could buy in, by the way. <laughs> Just that you could buy something, and yeah, there's not all parts of D.C. are created equal. Let's just say. Um, let's talk about the swamp. Uh, what? Uh, this big breaking news yesterday. Uh, Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence was raided by the FBI. Tell us, what is this about? What were they looking for? Well, officially, we don't know because FBI warrants and the affidavits that support them are generally sealed uh, until someone has been arrested or indicted. 
Uh, and there's a good reason for that. You, you don't want to tell the people you're investigating what evidence you have or who else you're investigating or necessarily uh, how far your investigation has gone. But there's already some information that's come out from sources, and there's some reasonable inferences. You know, the, the allegation is that he had documents that he should not have had, that he took them as president. And the, apparently they're claiming that this is some sort of national security risk, uh, that he has these documents. Um, the problem is uh, this is just an extraordinary, over-the-top, abusive use of law enforcement. As many commentators have already pointed out in the less than 24 hours since this happened, uh, they should have done this with a subpoena or with you know, some other formal legal request. Um, one analogy, even though he was president at the time, you know, one analogy would be Richard Nixon. You know, he, Congress sent him a subpoena to turn over the White House tapes, and he said no. Now, admittedly, he's a sitting president, and that is a huge difference. But, but by way of analogy, there was a dispute. There was a disagreement. So what did they do? They did what civil people and civilized societies do. They went to court, and they resolved the issue peacefully. It went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court ordered Nixon to turn over the tapes. And he turned them over, and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. um, this uh, is just an example of the increasing uh, abuse and weaponization of law enforcement by one political group against their political enemies. Uh, the former president's campaign manager, the former president's national security advisor have been raided. Um, the uh, FBI itself, you know, unfortunately, this is nothing new. Let's just look at the uh, history of the FBI brief, you know, briefly. Uh, aside from other illegal activities, such as wiretapping, where they didn't have a prop, you know, uh, proper approval, um, in 1964, President Lyndon Johnson uh, had the FBI wiretap the uh, rooms at the hotel and and other places where his political opponents in the Democratic Party were meeting. His political opponents at the time were African Americans and their supporters, especially African Americans from Tennessee, from Mississippi who are trying to get seated as the legitimate delegation to the Democrat National Convention. This was gaining a lot of attention. The president wanted to know what was going on, so he had the FBI wiretap them, their rooms. Uh, completely illegal. Um, you know, fast forward to the FISA court, the Foreign you know, International Surveillance uh, Act, uh, basically the Patriot Act. The, the, that's just in the last 20 years since, since 2001. Uh, since the uh, World Trade Center attacks, the, the director of the FBI had to go in front of the FISA court and apologize for all of the misrepresentations made by FBI agents to get warrants through the FISA court, because a warrant through the FISA court is really is, it's secret. I mean, you don't know what's going on. The whole idea is it involves national security. And whereas normally if I go to get a warrant as a prosecutor, if I'm going with police to get a warrant, um, you know, it gets reviewed by the judge. He signs it. Once the warrant is executed, it is made public. Um, the FISA court's very secret, yet the FBI agents are making representation, misrepresentations. And by the way, misrepresentation is just a nice word for lie. Mm -hmm. And when you lie under oath, there's another word for that. It's called perjury. But, Joe, <laughs> how many FBI agents have been prosecuted for that? None. None. Yeah. And then, then you look at the other abuses they've had. When they raided Roger Stone's, you know, uh, Trump's uh, political, you know, advisor. When they raided his house at six o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. and they, that was unnecessary. They could have allowed him to surrender. Elderly 
you know, well-to-do men like Roger Stone don't flee the country. But even if they didn't want to raise, uh, allow him to surrender, Joe, mm-hmm. the real evidence of the bad faith of the FBI in that case was who else was there? CNN mm-hmm. was there. Yeah. CNN mm-hmm. was there. How did that happen? So, and it's, it's not, you can't just say, well, that's a one-off because it happens over and over again. And here's another final example for you. Um, you've, uh, I think, talked about this before in your radio program. Uh, remember the raid of the Project Veritas reporter's home? Right. Because he allegedly had the, bo- the diary of Joe Biden's daughter. Project Veritas didn't publish the diary. They had tried to, to give it back, and instead, the FBI comes in full gear. And, and I understand why officers go in with full gear when they do go in. I've, I've been on several search warrant executions. But the point is, they go and they execute a search warrant to get a diary that the Project Veritas was already trying to give back. Let's look at another significant historical analogy. Remember the Pentagon Papers? A lot of our listeners won't remember them. But there's a movie out there they can go watch which shows how the Washington Post and the New York Times, but especially the Washington Post, was very heroic in publishing these papers that had been leaked by Daniel Ellsberg, who had worked with the Defense Department about the situation in Vietnam. And the federal government said, hey, wait a minute, this is a matter of national security. So what did they do? They went to court on those issues. By the way, in that case, the FBI uh, illegally raided Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office. Wow. <laughs> but but did, you, did you see the FBI agents in that? Go watch that movie. Do you see the FBI agents raiding the offices of the Washington Post to get the Pentagon Papers? No. Right. Do you see them raiding the offices of the reporters? Of the, do you see them raiding the homes of the reporters from the New York Times mm. or the Washington Post? to get the Pentagon Papers back? No. And they were claiming that was national security. How, that national security risk. How did getting a diary, a personal diary, of a daughter of a president from a journalist who's already trying to give it back, how did that justify an armed raid? Yeah. And yeah. now, and now, now they're going, now they're going into the, to the president's, the former president's residence. My point is, this is not an isolated incident. It is an increasing, it's a pattern, and it's increasing. It's an escalation. What it about... Really is the web- weaponization of law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, well, let's not pick favorites, though, Brent. I mean, of course, we remember the FBI raiding uh, Hillary Clinton and her email server scandal, that there was the uh, Hunter Biden laptop scandal, that they... Clearly, they raided that. Oh, wait, hold on, never mind, forget that. They didn't raid either of those. Uh, what about the January 6th people, all the people that they determined oh, that had entered the Capitol building on January 6th? I've heard uh, many accounts that they aggressively raided their homes and, uh, and, and hauled them off in cuffs. And not only that, Joe, but they denied them bail. So in an era where, look at the news, news from New York City. Now, admittedly, bail's usually a state issue, and these are federal charges in D.C., but in an era where the idea of bail reform sweeps across the country, and I did bail law for over eight years, by the way, um, the, when bail reform is, is sweeping the country because it's so allegedly oppressive, because the innocent are kept in jail, or because people who have yet to be proven guilty are kept in jail, contrary to their means, uh, and bail has to be reformed. We have to get rid of cash bail. We should be letting people out on their personal recognizance. What do they do with the January 6th defendants? They lock them up. They lock them up in jail. They don't even give them bail. It is it is oppressive to use the legal term. They're doing it purely as a form of punishment for people who are innocent until proven guilty. And yes, you are right. It is another example of mm. the weaponization of our legal system. What's really sad, Joe, is. 
lot of people don't realize how this isn't just one isolated incident. Yeah. It's not even just part of a larger pattern, but it shows how it goes to how fragile our Republican constitution is. For sure. We're out of time. Brent Haynes, uh, you know, Brent and I once argued in front of a Catholic church for like two hours about Donald Trump. I'm not the biggest Donald Trump fan, but I don't endorse the FBI doing such tactics. It seems like a bridge too far. Hey, guess what's coming up next? Fun and games. Prizes are at stake, and you could win. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. I had a friend ask me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus is risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have secrets and agendas. So please, please do us a favor and don't share anything about what I'm about to share with you to anyone, especially Project Veritas, because I wouldn't want to be raided by the FBI. But nonetheless, <laughs> but no, nonetheless, there are lots of things we do on the down low here, and we just don't want it to get out. But uh, number one. I will tell you, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you did not know before. Praise be to God. Uh, number two, we like to have a laugh. So when the callers call in at 877-757-9424, we want to chuckle. And they do. And it's fun. We enjoy that most. By the way, the phone lines are wide open. Your chance to play our game and possibly win have never been better. Call right now, 877 877- 
877-757-9424. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open. Call now. 877-757-9424. And then, of course... We give out prizes, which makes this a winner because we're incentivizing you because you could win. It's cool. Praise be to God. But here's the kicker. Uh, We don't ask the caller the questions. So they don't even need to know the answers. They might not know a single correct answer, but could still win the game. Praise be to God. Uh, When you call 877-757-9424 is that phone number. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. Instead of asking the caller, I will ask Rudy. I will ask Adrian. One of them will have a correct answer. The other will have an incorrect answer. And every correct answer uh, will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Conversion Starters. Conversionstarters.com makes evangelization easy and painless for everyone. Conversion starters t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs catch people's eye and pique their curiosity by featuring common questions about Catholicism, along with a website address where they can go and read a brief, easy-to-understand answer to the questions proposed. You can be a billboard for Christ. Conversionstarters.com is evangelization for introverts. And I know there's a lot of those out there. Now, the winner this week is going to win one of their t-shirts, and a mug. All right. Praise Thank be to God. Much. What we need most right now is a phone call. I can't believe the phone lines are wide open. No, still, I know. no one has crazy? yet called in. How about somebody from Alabama? Ah, woo. Can that we get somebody great. from Alabama? From, from Alabama would be nice. Coleman or Birmingham, Irondale, uh, someplace like that would be amazing. 877-757-9424. If you've never played, I promise it's fun. It's easy. You can call right now. Phone lines are open at 877-757-9424 is that phone number. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 877-757-9424. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder who, who. Who wrote the book of love? Anyway, no, that's different. That's going to be karaoke time in the after show. My bad. All right, so praise be to Jesus. I think we have a caller on the line here. We're getting ready to play our game. Three Catholic trivia questions. We just need Adrian Fonseca to come back. So got some we, good we questions do. today. Yeah. Let's, well, let's just see here. Oh, a history question. My mm. favorite kind ever. If I was like in charge of the show, we would only do history questions ever. Uh, we would do no theology, no no liturgy <laughs> questions, no saint. Only Joe was saint, in charge of the show. Saint, we would only, if I were the one picking these these questions, uh, then that would be the way it is. Lori, good morning to you. Hi, how are you guys? You're so exciting in the morning. Oh, oh, God, hey, Lori. Uh, where are you calling from, Lori? San Antonio. San Antonio, Texas. Nice. It's a, it is a fantastic town, by the way. Yes, I love it. It's been my home for many, many years. Wonderful. And you know it's great, not just because that's where I grew up and went to high school, right? You know it's got other reasons for also being good. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's where I went to high school, too. Did you, went, <laughs> did you go to Judson? No. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> my deepest and most sincere condolences, Lori. 
I went to an all-girls Catholic school. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's okay. I mean, it's good and all. Uh, hopefully, you hadn't had to go to too much therapy because you didn't get to go to Judson High School. But nonetheless, we're glad you're here. <laughs> uh, praise be to God. Where did you go? Where do you go to church, Lori? I go to Our Lady of Guadalupe in Helotus. Nice. All right. Uh, and I assume you know the rules. You know how this game works. I have heard it a gazillion times. Gazillion times. Is that more yeah. than a bazillion? That's at least. A gorillion? Probably one more than a, the bazillion. Uh, praise be to God. All right. We're going to play the game. We will start with Team Rudy first. Let's do this. Ask. Uh, he's wearing an ascot today. He's super curveball, Lori. He's wearing an ascot, so you pay close attention to every syllable that comes out of his mouth. It's crimson. All right, good morning to you, Team Rudy. Good morning. Praise be to team God. Joe. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm, I'm on the listeners' team. Oh. I'm on Lori's oh, team. Oh. Okay. Uh-huh. It's Lori and I against y'all. Here we go. Hijacking that language again. Mm. Progressives, I tell you. <laughs> All right, uh, Rudy, can you tell me what famous Catholic Spanish explorer discovered the Pacific Ocean? Well, yo, in Spain, we call him Vasco Balboa. What, you have to say it like that? Vasco. Vasco. Ba- Balboa. <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking about that Vasco cam, the uh, Instagram filter. We're talking about Vasco. Okay, so Vasco Balboa. Vasco Balboa. Okay, very good. Uh, Adrian. Yes. Uh, I know you have advanced degrees in histology. Uh, could you tell me oh, what wow. famous Catholic Spanish explorer discovered the Pacific Ocean? Well, to be honest, Joe, I actually don't have a PhD in <gasps> histology, but I do identify as having a PhD in Pacificology. Oh, uh-huh. my bad. Yeah. It's understandable. Okay. Those kind of things get okay. confused sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, the mm-hmm. answer is Amerigo Vespucci. Oh, Amer- mm-hmm. an Italian fella. Yeah. Amerigo Vespucci, Maybe. you say. Okay. He sailed for Italy. All right. In- interesting. Um, uh, Lori, what famous Catholic Spanish explorer discovered the Pacific Ocean? Adrian seems to think it's Amerigo Vespucci, but uh, Rudy says it's Vasco Balboa. Fifteen Vasco. seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Lori in San Antonio, what say you? I have no idea. And you said Spanish explorer. They both sound Italian. I'm going to go with Adrian. Oh, no. Go the other way. Go the other way. No. Ah, <laughs> Hey, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) It is. The correct answer is Vasco Balboa. Yeah, Balboa. Amerigo is where we get the name American, by the way. Yeah, he's one who mapped out the outside of America. Yeah, he didn't discover Americas, but we got his name we got the name anyway. But Vasco Balboa is the correct answer. Don't Balboa worry. Balboa does sound Italian. I'm thinking like Rocky Balboa. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. So don't worry. The next question is probably the hardest ever. But what? let's just see how it this goes. the easiest question. Hey, Adrian, we'll start with you this time. Uh, can you tell me what is the highest form of veneration given to the Blessed Mother alone? Yes. So the highest form of veneration that we give to the Blessed Mother alone is Latria. Um, we give to Our Lady hmm. Latria. La- Latria, you say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rudy, let's try you. Uh, can you tell me what is the highest form of veneration given to the Blessed Mother alone? Here we go. It is called hyperdulia, and it is the highest form of veneration. It is not adoration for those Protestant listeners who are listening to us right now. Adoration is for God alone. I see. Yes. So, hyperdulia. 
Hyperdulia. Okay. One okay. step below. All right, Not Lori. Uh, who is right? Who is wrong here? Uh, Rudy says Hyperdulia belongs to Our Lady. Adrian says it's Latria. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who's wrong? Lori in San Antonio, what say you? Rudy. Very Are you sure? solid, confident answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no more swinging at them curveballs, Lori. I'm <laughs> proud of you. Latria is the worship we give to God alone. Hyperdulia is the highest level of dulia, the highest level of veneration. And dulia is what we give to the saints. Congratulations. Wow. That was a tough one, and you did it. Yeah. Praise be to God. You're in the cup. You could win, Lori. Let's see if we can't get you in there twice, though. Increase your chances here. All right, we're going to go back to Rudy for this next one. Rudy, can you tell me? Monasteries of men or women governed by a prior or prioress are called what? Hmm. Well, I hate to be on the nose here, but okay. I think it's a priory. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. A prior or prioress, yeah, they govern a prior. Yes. Three. Prior. Three. Or, got it. Okay. Uh, Adrian, uh, can you me? tell me, uh, monasteries of men or women mm-hmm. governed by a prior or a prioress are mm-hmm. called what? Yes. It's like my one of my favorite things. It's called a refectory. Uh, re- <laughs> like right. Refectory? Refectory. 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 Not like reflection. Not like reflection. Refectory. Refectory. That's your answer. Lori, is a monastery governed by men or women, prior or prioress, called a refectory, as Adrian seems to think? Or is it a priory, as Rudy is suggesting? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Lori, what say you? I'm going with Rudy because I visited a priory before. Oh! A refectory is where uh, the monks eat. It's their dining room. <laughs> my kind of place. I'm just saying. They my have good food there most of the time. I second, <laughs> second holiest place in the room. When I when I walk into a monastery, I'm like, can you show me the kitchen? That's all I want to <laughs> see. Uh, Lori, congratulations. You're in for two. Thanks for having a laugh with us today. Thank you. Praise be to God, Lori. God bless you on your many travels today. And maybe you can stop by Judson High School and just, you know, shed a little tear today. Who knows? Uh, But have a great day. We're going to put you on hold. You'll have to tune in on Friday to see if it is God's holy will that you should win. But, boy, she got a hypernulia one. I thought for sure. She nailed it. Praise be to God. Hey, coming up tomorrow on the show, we're going to be talking about liturgy of the hours. Talking about monasteries. Contemplative, prayerful uh, communities. Liturgy of the Hours is up next tomorrow. We'll see you in the after show today. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers, for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio, and for, for Father Peter Marsalek on his birthday. All hail adore Trinity, all hail eternal unity. O God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit ever one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. God of our fathers, who brought the martyr St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross to know your crucified Son, and to imitate him even until death, grant through her intercession that the whole human race may acknowledge Christ as its Savior, and through him come to behold you for eternity, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The Lord God said to me, As for you, son of man, Obey me when I speak to you. Be not rebellious like this house of rebellion, but open your mouth and eat what I shall give you. It was then I saw a hand stretched out to me, in which was a written scroll, which he unrolled before me. It was covered with writing front and back, and written on it was lamentation, and wailing and woe. He said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you, eat this scroll, then go, speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. Son of man, he then said to me, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll I am giving you. I ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. He said, Son of man, 
Go now to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. The word of the Lord. How sweet to my taste is your promise. How How sweet sweet to my taste is your promise. In the way of your decrees I rejoice as much as in all riches. How How sweet sweet to my my taste taste is your promise. Yes, your decrees are my delight. They are my counselors. How How sweet sweet to my taste is your promise. The law of your mouth is more precious The law of your mouth is to me more precious than thousands of gold and silver pieces. How How sweet sweet to my taste is your promise. How sweet to my palate are your promises, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How How sweet sweet to my taste is your promise. Your decrees are my inheritance forever. The joy of my heart they are. How How sweet sweet to my taste is your promise. I gasp with open mouth in my yearning for your commands. How How sweet sweet to my taste is your promise. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child over, placed it in their midst, and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that their angels in heaven always look upon the face of my heavenly Father. What is your opinion? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the ninety-nine in the hills and go in search of the stray? And if he finds it, amen, I say to you, he rejoices more over it than over the ninety-nine that did not stray. In just the same way, it is not the will of your heavenly Father that one of these little ones be lost. The Gospel of the Lord. In this morning's Gospel, we hear Jesus giving us an imperative to become like children in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I think it's a good opportunity then to reflect on some of the qualities or characteristics of children uh, that we are called to have in our relationship with God. I think in the first place when we look at children, one of the things that stands out is the level of trust which children have, uh, in particular toward their parents. In fact, sometimes we know children can be too trusting and 
each of us growing up was taught about stranger danger and things like this because kids want to trust. It's kind of built into their nature. But their trust toward their parents is always something which is very striking. When you're a kid, you trust in your mom and dad completely and you know they're looking out for you, you know they want what's best for you and you are ready to listen and do whatever is needed, at least hopefully most of the time. But trust really equals confidence because if you're confident that your parents are there, well, then the child knows they got the freedom to move around and to do what they need to do because they're being looked after. And for us in our relationship in particular with God the Father, um, this is called to be a core and essential part of our life, that we trust in our Father's goodness, we trust in his governance over our life, that he is leading us towards salvation. And because we know that, then we have a great confidence that our Heavenly Father is at work in our life, and despite whatever turmoils or challenges might be present in the world around us or even present in our own life, uh, we have confidence that our Father is at work in leading us to salvation. Second great characteristic of children is that we human beings, and you see it especially in kids, we're wired to believe and to have faith. I think we kind of note as you get older, it becomes easier and easier to become skeptical of what you hear. And indeed, in the world we live in and what you hear on the news and what you read, we probably have every right to be skeptical because everything seems to be polemicized and you don't know exactly, well, you know too clearly what point of view things are coming from, and so things can get skewed. But we are called, again, with respect to our relationship with God, to have a total faith and a total belief in God and in everything that he's revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And this, too, is a great characteristic of children. I think thirdly, one thing you see with children, which is absolutely clear, is the level of dependence which they have on their parents. Uh, when you're a kid, you may have little moments of disillusion where you think you can do a lot of things. But when push comes to shove, you know every meal on your plate is being provided for by your parents. Everything that you need in life is coming to you from your parents. Um, you are, children are totally dependent and that dependence really is a reality that each of us has throughout our life. It's simply as we get older in life we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're autonomous and independent but we should never forget that we are dependent upon God every moment of our existence. I always like St. Thomas Aquinas saying that you know when God created us he didn't just create us and then stand back, but that he created us and he actually sustains us in our existence every moment of our life to the point where he says it's like a singer who is singing. The voice is projecting out and it's being heard, but the singer doesn't just sing one note and then stop. But to be heard, the singer keeps on singing and the voice keeps on resonating. And this is God's act of creation and existence for us. He created us, but he continues to sustain us every moment of our life. And anything to the contrary where we think that we are independent and self-sufficient is an illusion. And finally, just one last point that I would make is I think with children, you see a tremendous capacity for joy and kind of a real capacity for freedom. I always liked with my sister's kids, sometimes it would be very cute, you know, even... In, in different places where they'd kind of roam off somewhat independently, kind of in freedom, exploring their freedom. 
and seemingly totally unaware of anything else going on around them and just kind of in the present moment enjoying themselves. And then every couple of minutes just kind of taking a glance back to where their mother was to make eye contact to kind of have the security to say, okay, I can still keep on going here and everything is good and right in the world. I think in many ways, you know, this is how God wants us to be in our relationship with him. That we trust him, we believe in him, we have total confidence in him. We know that he has given us a free will and he's given us a freedom to go out and live our lives to do good things. And we need to remember to keep glancing back to look at him, to know that he's there, to be re-established and reaffirmed in our trust and confidence. And to know that he's our father who sends us out in a mission to be able to participate in the work of salvation that Jesus won for us. And so my brothers and sisters, today as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that in a special way on this day we would too revel and achieve these childlike characteristics to be totally trusting and confident in our Father, to believe in him with all of our heart, to recognize our dependence and our need for God, and that we would truly relish in the freedom that God has given us, knowing that in confidence in our relationship with him, he has entrusted and empowered us to be participants in the mission of salvation that Jesus Christ has won for us on the cross. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all bishops and government leaders that they would be guided by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in their decisions. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us online and through radio, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the repose of the soul of Václav Vosges. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we pray that we hold in our hearts. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my ransom soul he leadeth. And wherever dead pastures grow with food celestial feedeth.
pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands, praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. May the offerings we bring in celebration of Blessed Teresa Benedicta of the Cross win your gracious acceptance, O Lord, we pray, just as the struggle of her suffering and passion was pleasing to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you are glorified when your saints are praised. Their very sufferings are but wonders of your might. In your mercy you give ardor to their faith. To their endurance you grant firm resolve. And in their struggle, the victory is yours through Christ our Lord. Therefore, all creatures of heaven and earth sing a new song in adoration. And we with all the host of angels cry out, and without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabao, plenis uncelli et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna you are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith Save us, Savior of the world for by your cross and resurrection 
you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, and Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember your servant Václav, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that he who was united with your son in a death like his, may also be one with him in his resurrection. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours, forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus indicere. Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, Adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra. Panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis evita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus, Debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. peace, peace, peace. On your stay, Queen Polis Peccatamuli, Miserere Nobis. On your stay, Queen Polis Peccatamuli, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, Quintus Peccatamundi, 
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. an act of spiritual communion. By Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Godhead here in hiding, whom I do adore. Masked by these bare shadows, shape and nothing more. See, Lord, at thy service, low lies here a heart. Lost, all lost in wonder, at the God thou art. Seeing, touching, tasting, are in thee deceived. How says trusty hearing, that shall be believed. What God's Son has told me, take for truth I do. Truth himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true. Let us pray. <clears throat> o God, who bestowed on blessed Teresa Benedicta of the Cross a crown among the saints for her twofold triumph of virginity and martyrdom, grant, we pray, through the power of this sacrament, that bravely overcoming every evil, we may attain the glory of heaven through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy God, we praise thy name. Lord of all, we bow before thee. All on earth thy scepter claim. All in heaven above adore Thee. Infinite Thy vast domain, everlasting is Thy reign. Infinite Thy vast domain, Everlasting is thy reign. Hark the loud cell.
prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Amy Shields. 